My company had sent me on an engineering job near Starkfield, and I was staying at the home of a lady called Mrs. Ruth Hale. Before she was married, her name had been Ruth Varnum, but her husband, Ned Hale, was now dead, and she had returned to live with her mother in the Varnum home. It was a grand house, large and white, with tall, dark trees outside. Although it was clear that the Varnums no longer had much money, theirs was still the finest house in the village. Ruth Hale enjoyed talking about her neighbors, and I hoped that she could tell me more about Ethan Frome. But when I asked her, she just looked unhappy and said in a low voice, Yes, I knew them both. It was awful. I asked other people, and everybody in Starkfield agreed that Ethan Frome had had more troubles in his life than most people. But nobody explained why he had that sad, grim look on his face. In the end, I learnt the story, piece by piece, from several people. As often happens, the story was different each time but I slowly began to put it together. And my interest in Ethan Frome grew stronger when, a little later, I met the man himself. It happened like this. Every day, I had to travel about three miles to the station where I got my train to work. I usually hired a horse from Dennis Eady, the rich village shopkeeper. But in the middle of winter, his and most of the other Starkfield horses caught an illness. For a day or two, I could not find a horse to hire anywhere, until Harmon Gow had an idea. Why don't you ask Ethan Frome to drive you? He said. His horse ain't sick, and he needs a dollar or two. That Frome farm and sawmill don't make enough money to keep a cat alive. So Ethan Frome agreed to drive me, and every day for a week I sat beside him in his sleigh as his thin horse pulled us over the hard snow to the station. Then, in the icy evenings, he brought me back to Starkfield. He was not unfriendly, but during the hour's drive, he never turned to look at me and spoke very little. Once, I said something about Florida, 
and he told me that he had been there. Another time, he showed interest in a science book of mine, which I had left in his sleigh by mistake in the morning. But most of the time, Frome drove without a word, and I began to feel that he was like the land around him. This sad, silent man and the snow-covered fields had the same kind of cold loneliness. Anything warm and alive inside him was locked away under the deep, icy cold of too many Starkfield winters. After about a week, we were driving back one night in terrible weather. Heavy snow was falling.